Welcome to God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. Thanks for being here. I'm working on some exciting new ideas for God Knows Where, and I hope to be announcing those to you soon, so keep paying attention. It's more ways for you to get involved and, and stay connected with God Knows Where from wherever you are. So keep following the show wherever you listen and on social media, and don't forget to vote for God Knows Where for best podcast in the best of the Pine Belt. If you're looking for something good to read, check out Wendell Griffin's two-part essay on the Great Commission. Reverend Griffin's wisdom is incredible, and I'd encourage all of you to go and read that. You can find them over on Good Faith Media. Links to everything I've just mentioned are in the show notes for today's episode. And today we're taking a big swing. Let me know what you think after you listen. I hope you enjoy today's episode, Secret Recipe. Twenty years ago, Los Lonely Boys asked, how far is heaven? And before that, Warrant told us that heaven isn't too far away. Recently, Bruno Mars sang of being locked out of heaven, and a while back, Alan Jackson dreamed of when we all get to heaven. Dolly Parton wrote a letter to heaven, Eric Clapton sang of tears in heaven, Willie Nelson said that heaven is closed, and Meatloaf said that heaven can wait. And these are just a sampling of the songs sung about heaven in the last century. But there's one that probably gets at Jesus' understanding of heaven better than all of them. 1987's Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle. Now you may disagree, but I'd argue that Jesus is pretty clear about his own belief that heaven could quite possibly exist right here in our very midst. I think he'd even go as far as to say that that's why he came. Not just to rescue us and deliver us some glad morning to that celestial shore the nitty-gritty dirt band, among others, have sung about over the years, but to bring heaven to earth. When I read Jesus in the Gospels, I think the goal was always for Jesus to bring heaven here. I think that's why when he teaches us to pray, he teaches us to say to God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can read through the scriptures and come away with the idea that heaven and earth weren't supposed to be separated. That what Jesus came to do wasn't just to restore humanity to a right relationship between creation and creator, but to bring heaven and earth together. In the Gospels alone, when we look at the conversations around heaven, when we hear how heaven is talked about, here's what we see. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven and what it's like. He makes numerous references to his Father who is in heaven and that he, the Son, is going there. We're told that there are angels in heaven, that we can store up treasures for ourselves in heaven, and that he is the bread that came down from heaven. What isn't talked about so much is who else is in heaven or or anywhere else. Two disciples, one time they try to figure out how to get a seat next to Jesus once he's in heaven. And there's a parable that we get from Jesus where a rich landowner finds himself in Hades, the Greek underworld, where he's being tormented while a beggar named Lazarus, whom the landowner ignored and spat on, is elsewhere in the underworld, not being tormented. There's one story we get where a rich man asks about eternal life and Jesus asks him, 
If he wants that, then he needs to sell everything he owns. And the rich man clearly thinks, nah, I'll pass. The overwhelming picture we get of heaven is a relatable one. That it's not so different from here, that it doesn't have to be so different from here if we can just follow Jesus' lead. The Gospels show us that Jesus came to earth, to us, bringing heaven with him, so that together we could plant it here. And not a knockoff version like all the reproductions in Las Vegas that we see of various global icons, not a substitute, not a replica, or even an approximation, the real thing. We can make that here. But instead of considering Jesus as the one bringing something here to us, we spend a lot of our time and energy trying to figure out how and when and what it must be like there, wherever there is. We think and talk about heaven like it's a family recipe. It was made best by someone else, somewhere else, probably someone we didn't even know. Its perfection is this hazy vision that only a few have or can access. And nothing else, no one else, has figured out how to perfectly replicate it. We can get close. If we're lucky, we have hints left behind of how our grandmother or grandfather or whomever came up with the recipe did it best. Or by some miracle, we may have figured out a secret through our own trial and error. And we buy into the idea that we can never recreate these perfect recipes because the source, the creator, the perfecter, sometimes even the ingredients are not here or because we weren't with them. That perfection lies somewhere else. And there are a lot of reasons when it comes to recipes why we can never get them right here. Maybe it's because Velveeta stopped making their garlic cheese log that we need for our recipe. Or maybe, like McDonald's, we have easier access to vegetable oil these days than beef tallow, and so the things we fry up don't fry in the same way, especially french fries. Maybe it's because some sneaky relative left out an ingredient in the recipe that's been passed down through generations. And it's celery salt. It's always celery salt, if you were wondering. Maybe it's because we don't have grandma's pan with its years of seasoning. Or maybe we live near sea level and grandpa lived somewhere on a mountaintop. Who knows? I I don't know. Whatever the reason, we've just come to believe that we can't make things as good here as we've heard about over there. I mean, I followed my mother's recipe for sourdough bread to a tea several years ago. I nursed the starter like an infant. I followed all the instructions laid out, and instead of a soft, tasty loaf, I produced something that resembled more of a beige, heavily flowered cinder block. And this is what we think about heaven and earth. If heaven is as perfect as we've heard about or had a glimpse of or hope that it will be one day, then there's no way we could ever recreate it here. But that's not what Jesus says. It's not what Jesus shows us. It's not why Jesus tells us that he came here. 
I mean, if Jesus is who he says he was and who so many have written and believed him to be over the years, he could have just hung out in the far reaches of space and time, wherever heaven is, and just sent word about how to get there. But he didn't. He's the bread that came down from heaven. He's it. He's with us. We have the recipe and the ingredients and the baker. And in the Gospels, he gives us more how-to clips on building the kingdom of heaven on earth than YouTube has fix-it videos for whatever we've broken. And he talks more about what the kingdom of heaven is like in ways that make it seem possible here than I talk about Will Campbell. And I can't stop talking about him. Jesus makes it plainly clear. We can make the kingdom of heaven on earth just as it is in heaven. If we want to, he'll show us how. That's why he came. But the question is, do we want to? Do we want heaven on earth like Jesus teaches us to pray for? Or do we prefer it to be on that distant celestial shore? I think wherever it is and whatever it's like, too often we want it to only be over there. We want it to remain a mystery or a destination because if it's farther away than Warrant saying, then maybe we've got time to figure out how to get there and to still build up all the treasures we want for ourselves here before we have to start storing them up over there. We can just get to it later. I don't think we always want it to be as close as Belinda Carlisle hoped and as Jesus taught, especially when that means we've got to give something up to get it. That's why discovering eternal life was so hard for the rich young ruler who shows up in Matthew and Mark and Luke, and the landowner who despised Lazarus we read about in Luke 16. It turns out, as Jesus teaches them, making heaven on earth, entering into the fullness of eternal life isn't about working a system to a desired outcome or praying a prayer hoping it fixes something that's broken. It's not even about a world or an eternity or even a kingdom where everyone has everything they could ever imagine, riches, possessions, pleasure, whatever. Heaven, for Jesus, is about living a life that is not about me at all and what I can accumulate, or what I can enjoy. It's about figuring out what is needed here, and what I can do to help others enjoy the fruits of this creation that we get to call home. It looks more like me finally figuring out how to make my mom's famous Amish friendship bread than how I went about trying to make that sourdough bread. If you were at my house any time in the 90s or early 2000s, there's a strong chance that you ate Amish friendship bread. Imagine half coffee cake, half sourdough, and if that doesn't appeal to you, imagine your favorite dessert and know that it was better than that. We would devour this bread as adolescents, and we acted like lottery winners when a loaf came in the mail or was sent home with us after a break from college. It was and truly is heaven on earth. And I tried to make it a few years ago to utter failure. Not beige, flowery, brick-like failure. 
like collapsing under the weight and fear of Paul Hollywood's judgment and stare in a hot tent failure. Nothing about it worked. I don't even think it baked all the way through. And had I been on the Great British Baking Show, I would have surely left the tent. But my mom was close by. We were able to go over the recipe together to figure out where I went wrong. And then when I told her that I baked it in the top oven, she knew the solution immediately. She could show me what was wrong and how to fix it. Our top oven is smaller than our bottom one, and the loaves had not had the space to rise and cook all the way through. As soon as I baked the loaf in a larger oven, it worked out perfectly, and I had heaven on earth in my kitchen. And I've been able to make more loaves and share more loaves with friends and loved ones since we figured that out together. That's why Jesus came to earth. At least that's how I read the Gospels. Not to whisk us away to a place we've only ever dreamed about, but to bring all of his knowledge, all of his perspective, all of his experience here to us so that we might benefit from it and make heaven happen here. Every way that Jesus talks about heaven is relatable. It's tangible. The kingdom of heaven is like so many things that we know about. Mustard seeds and gracious people and families being reunited and finding what has been lost and so on. It's not an accident. And it's not just to help us understand what Jesus means. It's to show us that he came to unveil the secrets to the recipe. So that like Belinda Carlisle saying, we'll make heaven a place on earth. We can do that. Jesus showed us the way. All we have to ask ourselves is, do we want that? God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife, Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It'll mean the world to me and it'll help more people find God Knows Where. Thanks in advance for your help and for being here and for listening. Until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.